supreme darkness. You're wrong. I know now, without a doubt, Kingdom Hearts is stupid. Welcome, everyone, to a very special episode of Kingdom Hearts by Heart uh, After Hours. We're, we're coming at you uh, much later than usual. Usually we record in the mornings, but right now it is 8 o'clock Eastern Time. Because uh, I was feeling a little sicky-poo this morning, um, so I wasn't quite up to recording. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm on the mend. So, it's just like our regular episode, except at night. <laughs> at night. So, perhaps perhaps fitting, because as the sun sets outside, so too does dusk descend on our tale of boy and clown shoes. Because this is a very special episode for multiple reasons. Most notably, we will be covering the ending. So, grab your popcorn, grab your tissues. It's going to be an emotional roller coaster. But I'm your host, Kevin. I'm your other host, Darkness. <laughs> this episode brought to you by Darkness. TM. And we'll be your gummy pilots for this session. It's going to be a great time. So... Before we get on to the main course, we're going to sample on some hors d'oeuvres over in the fancy schmancy game corner to talk about what else we've been playing this week. So I've been playing some older games, mm. besides the stuff that we constantly talk about. Mm -hmm. I need to reorganize my collection of stuff. There's obviously things I do not play and do not ever want to play ever again. So I had, And also uh, storage space. Are you talking about Steam or like physical games? Like like a like physical mm. like physically I bought items that are uh, in my household. Okay. But uh, one of the things was uh, organizing my games because I have a lot of physical games, mm -hmm. obviously. So I went through my physical games. I got rid of uh, some stuff for some reason. Mm. I, I for for example, I own Battlefield Four on Xbox Three Sixty and PS Four mm -hmm. for whatever reason, and I don't think I'm using either of those copies ever again. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have Borderlands 2 for Xbox 360, which I own on Steam, and I've completed on Steam, so I don't really need mm -hmm. that copy, and you know, etc, etc, etc. But I discovered two old treasures that I, I kind of cracked into. Let's hear it. One of them was... It's also fitting, because we're getting a new entry this year. It is Mario Golf World Tour mm. for the Nintendo 3DS. Nice. So I just, I popped back into World Tour. I played like an afternoon. So like, I think I came home after work and I think the following morning I played it a little bit. So I revisited for like a, a, about two hours, three hours. That sounds about right. I really, yeah, I really enjoyed it when it came out. I'm questioning the content because I feel like there's not a lot of content. But of course, there's a lot of replayability. Mm -hmm. So I was like, how long is this game actually? Yeah, that was always the impression I got for all the Mario Sports games for like both 3DS and Wii U, just like much skimpier than their GameCube and Wii counterparts. Mm -hmm. Well, it also didn't hurt that, you know, I'm revisiting the game after completing the game, so there's very much like, a, there are challenges that pop up. I guess in, if you want to call it the campaign, in the campaign, there are certain challenges that pop up. I realized I have like 
maybe 10% of the gear unlocked, like not even buyable, like only unlocked 10% of the gear to even purchase. So mm-hmm. I definitely, if I, if I was more consistent, perhaps I would have unlocked some more, but that seemed to be very few and far between. And I enjoyed it. Did I enjoy it mainly for the Waluigi memes? Ah, depends on the day. Waluigi. So I revisited that. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. And would you know what the other game I revisited was another Mario sports game. Oh my. This time we're going to take a, a step back. Mario Hoops 3 on 3 for the Nintendo DS. <laughs> a game I think I've probably spent sick more than 60 hours playing. Oh nice. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that one never took off, did it? <laughs> nope. It is the first I think the only Mario basketball standalone game. Mm-hmm. Now, Mario and Luigi and Peach were in NBA <laughs> Street for the GameCube. Yes. That wasn't specifically a Mario title, was Yeah, and then I think they had basketball and like, Mario Sports Mix on 3DS, or it was like, five sports in one, so... Yeah, sport mi- Sports Mix was with the Wii, because I... I had to research. I I fell into the Mario ah, Sports okay. catalog of like researching ooh and ooh, and I think because this game came out in two thousand six, uh, I was like I was, I was literally thirteen at the time when it came yep. out. So it never occurred to me that this game was developed by Square Enix. We've come full oh, wow. circle. Huh? Yeah, I know that. Um, I think it's all the Mario Tennises are Tennessee. <laughs> They're developed by Camelot, right? Which is also the Fire Emblem devs. Uh, Camelot. Ooh, I gotta look it up really quickly. And so, Intelligent Systems is the Fire Emblem devs, and they do the Mario, the Paper Mario games. Hmm, maybe that's what I'm thinking. About. I feel like Camelot did some sort of RPG. Camelot is known for something. And... Maybe Golden Sun is what I'm thinking of. Yes, their Golden Sun yes, is, knew it. is their baby. I knew it. It's a good call. Interesting. Well, nice. What did, what did you think of uh, oh, three on 3 Hoops? I love it. I love it so very much. It's... <sighs> I have some... I So I just picked up wherever I, I left in the... If you want to call it a campaign. I think I was just doing the championship courses on hard mode. Mm-hmm. It's very Mario Kart. Like, there's four cups, each with, like, four, you know, courses. Yep. Slash courts for this one, I guess. You use your stylus to dribble the basketball. So, besides how frequently you dribble, it's also where you dribble. So, for example, if Waluigi is trying to block me, I'm not going to dribble the ball right in front of Waluigi so he can steal it from me. I'm going to try, you know, play keep away. The point of hmm. the game of basketball. But uh, the main, I guess, shtick, sh- obviously, to play basketball is there's a bunch of uh, question block. I was going to say question blocks but they're not they're like they're, they're, but they're like the mario traditional question block but they're in panel form on the floor mm-hmm. and so uh, as you dribble on the question panels yep. they give you coins and when you finally score a basket uh, your coins get added to your overall score oh, so that's fun if you don't where you score from inside in the paint you get 20 points like a three pointers 30 points uh, and also because it's mario sports so you have to amp it up like if you are if you're on defense, if you don't have the ball, and you run over a question panel, you spawn an item. So like, there's red shells, there's bombs, there's fake question panels, stuff like that. 
Nice. Um, and of course, if it was, it has to, because it, it has to be anime, it has to be a game. Uh, each player has a special shot. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the benefit is like you score more points, but you have, there's a lengthy time period where obviously you can't defend. So it's just up to is my opponent good enough to take the ball away from me as I try to do my super duper anime dunk mm-hmm. on the ass. So it's a it's a game. I I have a lot of nostalgia for it. I couldn't. Say, it's probably but if I had to grade it as a like real realistically, it'd probably be like a seven out of ten. Okay, it's good. There could be a little more to it. I feel like I feel like at the higher difficulties, some mechanics are overpowered, some mechanics are underpowered. I feel mm-hmm. so. I think I feel like there could have been a little more balance. But also, as I discovered, so and I, I this is the the I wouldn't say the big kerfuffle, but this is the this is the thing. There are Final Fantasy characters <gasps> as. Ooh. Like jobs and Final Fantasy characters as playable characters. So, the ninja class is a playable character. Same for white mage, huh. black mage, a moogle, and a cactar. Oh wow! So, when I replayed it just now a few days ago, I beat the game and I was looking through the credits. I, I see Tetsuya Nomura of all people, uh, and then also, uh, oh my god, Masayoshi Soken, who is the main composer for Final Fantasy fourteen. I was like, wait a minute. This game was developed by Square, as I thought to myself. And I, I literally picked up the game case. I looked at it. There's no inkling to, like, this game was made by Square. It just has, like, the default, like, Nintendo. Huh. There's no... Interesting. Inkling of, like, this, was, this, was, this wasn't made by Nintendo. Mm. So I was very, like, oh. Hmm. So what, it was, what I thought was an homage was just, no, it's made by Square. And also, speaking of Mario Sports Mix, that is also the... <laughs> <laughs> Developed by Square Enix, but published by Nintendo. Okay. So I had a very, I had a very big brain moment when I discovered that. And it was, yeah, that's wild. It was nice. Yeah. There is something else that we can talk about. Mm. Uh, I may have to educate a certain person, aka the only other person in the room, and by in the room I mean over the internet I'm talking to. <laughs> but uh, I will let you do, let you do your spiel before I just scream at you, basically. I'm very nervous. I feel like I have a scolding in store. What did what did I do wrong? Mm, you'll find out. Bad boy. Ah, oh boy. Well, this is great. I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, last week I wrapped up Jack 2, and as promised, I started playing Jack 3. So, no surprise there. <gasps> and Jack 3 is a very interesting game. I mean, the whole Jack series is interesting, but they all... Had their own little quirks. So Jack 3 was made one year. I think it was made less than one year. Or it came out anyway. Like less than a year after Jack 2. I think so, because we, we brushed upon it last, mm-hmm. last time we talked about it. I think it was literally a year. Yeah. In between them. Yeah, it was 2002 for the original. 2000 Or 2001 for the original. Because that was launch year for mm-hmm. PS2. Which, by the way, if you go back and look at that launch year, it's insane. It was like Jack and Daxter, uh, Grand Theft Auto 3... Metal Gear Solid 2, Ico, mm-hmm. Gran Turismo 3, which I don't care about, but I know a lot of people love that game. It, it is like the de facto racing game. Yeah. yeah. Devil May Cry, like all these like insane top 50 games of all times contenders. Dang. Of like, you know, the launch window of the PS2, which is crazy. But um, mm. yeah, Jack 1 was 2001, Jack 2 was 2003, and then Jack 3 was 2004. And... Yeah, it's interesting because it reuses a lot of Jack 2 content, as you might guess, because it was such a uh, quick turnaround. So I guess the basic premise is it's basically Mad Max, 
or Mad Mad Dax, I guess you could say. You're, you're not <laughs> wrong because I haven't played Jack two and three, but I know the plots obviously because I love Jack and Dexter. So you're not wrong. Yeah. So it starts with <laughs> so in Jack two, you you beat the metalheads or like the monster force that you're fighting the whole game. You beat them, and then you kind of take over the city from the Baron Praxis. You kind of take over rule of the city, although it's very unclear who's actually in charge, which is a weird plot point in Jack 3. But Jack 3 starts with Jack is <laughs> tossed to the desert and basically banished from the city because uh, there's like this big attack on the city from the metalheads striking back and there's like mass destruction thousands dead and for some reason jack gets blamed for it because people think he's associated with the metalheads because of somebody who's working with some jack too it's weird but anyways you're banished to this like desert region the wastelands and yeah the first chunk of the game takes place in this area there's like the city of the wastelanders who are also outcasts so you kind of like you know curry their favor by doing a bunch of tasks for them but uh, it introduces um, land vehicles. So on Jack 2, you had a bunch of hover vehicles, but here you have like actual like four-wheel like desert buggies, basically, which is pretty, pretty cool. I, I actually do like the driving around the desert a lot because it's like a very interesting terrain where it's very hilly. So like it's just kind of fun to drive around and do all the various missions, although it can definitely be annoying at some points. But um, yeah, back to the larger point. So eventually you do make your way back to the city and you probably explore maybe like 30% of the map because the city was destroyed. So most of it's kind of blocked off. And then what is there is kind of in shambles. So it's a really interesting way of reusing the map from Jack 2, but like painting it in a different or like seeing it in a new light. So like it also fixes one of the main problems with Jack 2 where the city is just annoying to navigate. So that's not as much of an issue here. Mm-hmm. And they do a much better job of spacing out the missions so that where one mission ends, uh, you're not too far off from where the next one begins. So that's good. It's also much easier because um, one, uh, you get Light Jack, which is very cool. And one of his powers is healing, so you're not dying as often. (laughs) (laughs) And the checkpoints, from what I noticed, aren't as bad. Or maybe it's just because I wasn't dying as often. But yeah, it's definitely much easier than Jack. Well, not much easier, but more tolerable than Jack 2. So that was nice. So yeah, it's just interesting. The whole desert aesthetic is really cool. But yeah, all in all, Jack, the trilogy, uh, very... Very solid collection of games. So I am definitely more of a Ratchet & Clank guy. Comparisons are natural between the two. They're kind of like rival series, similar to Crash and Spyro. Same developers and everything. And, yeah, Insomniac and Nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah just because Ratchet & Clank has a much stronger identity as a series, whereas Jack kind of, eh, like, the characters aren't too good, so, like... They start to do something interesting with Jack 3, where at the beginning, he's obviously pissed because he was basically betrayed. And then he, like, tries to have this whole anti-hero, like, I'm through saving the world, uh, spiel. <laughs> but um, <laughs> then, like, within a matter of, like, an hour or two, you're just doing your regular save the world missions. And I'm like, well, okay, well, what, what changed here? Like, what happened to that little plot line? You're just back to doing hero stuff. So, eh. Yeah. But yeah, it's an interesting world. It's got some interesting lore. Uh, There's a really 
awesome twist at the end of Jack 3 that I would highly recommend checking out just for that. Mm-hmm. I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I haven't experienced it. I think, I think I've actually watched the cutscenes for Jack 2 and nice. or Jack 3. And okay. uh, I can confirm it's a... <laughs> it's a twist. Yeah, it's good <laughs> stuff. So yeah, it's just... They're fun games, and I like I like the worlds that they build. It's fun to explore, and like I mentioned last episode, it's just a nice way to bask in some good old early 2000s fun. So, yeah, check them out. Afterwards, I played... I, I tried jumping into Jack X Combat Racing, and I played for maybe 20 minutes, and then I realized, mm, I'm not really in the mood for a kart racer right now, so I kind of shelved that. <laughs> That's valid. And then I moved on. I'm I'm keeping the uh, Sony mascot platformer marathon going, and I started Sly Cooper and Lathevius Raccoonus. <laughs> so yeah, I played the first game, and yeah, it's solid. So there's Ratchet and Clank, Jack and Sly Cooper, and like the three trilogies all kind of parallel each other in interesting ways. So much like Jack, uh, the first Sly game is pretty straightforward as a platformer it's level based it's kind of like crash bandicoot but more like 3d areas so it's not quite as linear but still it's pretty much point a to point b and yeah it's cute got a fun little story slides a fun character to play as because he's a stealthy raccoon he's got all of his little sneaky animations so that's fun the characters are pretty likable uh the the writing is much better than jack in terms of actually giving your main cast personalities so that's good and yeah just a fun time and much like jack 2 and jack 3 now i think about it <laughs> uh the ending sucks <laughs> <laughs> first for slide one yeah, I think I think Slides might be the most frustrating though because the game's broken up into five chunks. Each one is a sort of hub world where you fight one of the members of the Fiendish Five. Those are your bosses, and they all have their own layers. Yep. So you'll have like seven missions in each, and then like maybe two or three will be like basically like little offshoot mini game missions, which are like they're fine, but like they're not the best. <laughs> But then the final zone is pretty much nothing but the, like, mini-games, which is not great. So, like, the first mission is this awful turret section where, like, if you die, you have to start all over, and it's really easy to die. Is the Bentley the Bentley hacking, right? Uh, that's part of it, but no, the, um... You start off, you're on a turret on the van, and you're driving very slowly, and if anything hits you, uh, you're pretty yes. much dead, and it sucks. <laughs> and then after that, there's this part where you have to drive around the van and collect computer monitors that fall from the ceiling, but you have to get them before the lava monsters get them. See, as I'm explaining this, this sounds ridiculous, yep. but this is this is literally what the game asks you to do in its final missions. <laughs> yup. <laughs> so yeah, it's just weird. It's like just a complete diversion from the core sly sneaking gameplay. Which is just a weird way to end your game. So I was very frustrated by the end of it. And I was very tempted to just quit. But I didn't. <laughs> and I saw it through. And yeah, it's very much on the same level of Jack 1. Where it's like, yeah, that was a fun enough platformer. But like, it wasn't particularly mind-blowing. Solid enough start for the series. So I will probably move on to Sly 2 for next yeah. week. Well, they, uh, I feel like they also have the same progression as well. Like... Yep. The, 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 very similar to, because we're about to finish KH1, that the first game is very much 
its own beast compared to its sequels. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like Sly 2 is totally different from Sly 1 and just like the mission structure and you get some more playable characters and everything. And then Sly 3 pretty much follows suit. So yeah, once we get to Kingdom Hearts 2, we can talk about how that kind of sets the tone for the rest of the series going forward. But okay. Yeah, that's that's my game. Um, okay, so what is, what is this lesson that you have to teach? I thought it was about Pokemon cards, but... Hey, he got it! So, okay. Yeah, there was a... I, will, I, will, I guess to start this off, from the time of our recording, about a week and a half ago, there was a kerfuffle in a Tarking... A Tarking... <sighs> I'm going to do that again. There was a kerfuffle in the parking lot of a Target. What was the kerfuffle about? It was about Pokemon cards. What did this kerfuffle involve? It involved four men trying to steal... I think they're actually teenagers, but four people, human beings, trying to steal Pokemon cards from someone who just walked out of the store, and the person who walked out of the store may or may not have had had a gun on them. And yeah, uh, so they I were will say that as they were yeah, real life it, Team Rocket. Very, very true. Uh, I will also <laughs> preface that with uh, nobody was injured and uh, no lives lost. Oh, they thank goodness, but there was an altercation, and so starting on May fourteenth, which is a few days past for recording targets has discontinued the in-store physical selling of trading cards i mean like uh, the baseball cards nba cards but most mm. but the big header is pokemon cards obviously mm-hmm. and so this came up and the news came up and you look kind of looked at me like duh and i was like do you don't you don't know you don't know about the hype yeah this is all news to me so like yeah, I understand, you know, pandemic kind of casts its murky shadow on everything these days. But, like, I mean, were Pokemon cards ever this big of a deal? At least, like, you know, nope. in recent years? <laughs> nope. Not like, at all. So, obviously, towards the beginning of the pandemic, so we're about a year in, year in some change, people obviously look to, what can I do from home? So mm-hmm. there was a lot of revisiting old hobbies, uh, inventing yeah. or getting into new ones. And so, one of the revisits was Pokemon cards. And I'm mm-hmm. 100% sure that the catalyst was, as always, celebrities and or mm. popular people. Probably the biggest name or the biggest one that I think started all this was Logan Paul. <gasps> yeah, yeah. I mean, I will say one thing. Things are in the past. People grow up. That doesn't redeem everybody. But people, you know, evolve as they grow up or they don't so you know it depends Mm -hmm. but the point of that is that logan paul opened an original base set Mm. booster box on like a particular stream it was devoted to this he spent an insane amount of money on this booster box it was shrink wrapped like the sealed oh god product from like literally going back in time but basically he opened a booster box in a stream he obviously pulled charizard people went nuts people love charizard Mm mm-hmm and that kind of kicked off the catalyst of... Gotta catch them all. Gotta catch yep. them all. Buy the cardboard. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not wrong. Not wrong. So, it's just for the past... That's, at this point, it has been about a full year. Pokemon cards have been... Pokemon card, Pokemon card product has been difficult to keep in stock. Mm-hmm. Like, people will just go out... It got to the point where people would tail... The delivery trucks. Oh, my so God. Like, oh, this truck is going to this Walmart. 
And so as soon as the delivery comes in, people would go inside, buy all the stuff. Like it, 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 like it became an obsession. Huh? So at the store, that's what's funny. Cause I think last episode you made the joke. Cause I, I am actually a Pokemon professor. The, the store that I am affiliated with that I help out. Usually when, when I usually, when a new set comes out, I'll open some of the packs to put in like a singles binder. So people don't have to buy sing, like they don't have to buy a pack to try and get a card. Mm-hmm. If I have that card in the binder, people just pay straight up money for it. And it's mostly just to entice people to buy stuff, obviously. But, one, pandemic, I have not been to this store. Well, in an, in an administrative sense in a while. I visit from time to time. It's in my area. But, if I, I would say if I were to be at the store right now, I wouldn't pull anything from PAX because PAX fly off the shelves. I know mm-hmm. the store that I'm talking about, there is now a limit. And I think the Targets and the Walmarts have a limit, too. I know the R limit is like you can buy three packs, no more, and you can buy one product. So you can buy one, like if there's a box, like a promo box, you can buy one of those boxes, but you can't buy more than one. Mm-hmm. Just because literally they last in the store for maybe a day or two, and then they're gone. Basically to say that people are very, very, very much obsessed with Pokemon cards right now, and it's gotten, as a lot of things do, it happens to get out of hand. Don't try to steal Pokemon. Don't try to steal anything from anybody. But also, please don't threaten anybody's life over Pokemon cards. Like, like, come on. <laughs> Alrighty. Okay, so that wraps up our game corner. So, yeah, why don't we just begin the game discussion proper. <laughs> so, we last Alrighty. left off... In terms of the main story at final rest. So, before we get into the thick of things, I figured we could just kind of check off all of our open-ended questions. Uh, Most notably, Mm. just talk about the endgame weapons real quick. And also talk about our party member stats. Because I don't know about you, but I grinded to level 100. And then I looked at everyone's endgame stats. And the the results may shock you. (laughs) Uh, I think I said maybe I'll do that, and that's my way of saying, I know you're gonna do it, so I'm not. <laughs> well, it, it would be interesting to see, because you, you chose oh, shield, true. and I chose yeah, staff. Yeah, so. different stat spreads. So. I can't, can't speak to the defensive route, but, um... Correct. Yeah, but, we'll, um, we'll get to that in a little bit. For now, yeah. let's talk about our stash of weapons, so... Most notably, uh, we we wrapped up all the synthesis and we got the Ultima weapon. After 75 years of synthesis, it's finally happened. Mm-hmm. So, like, I lurk on the Kingdom Hearts subreddit, and uh, maybe, like, a month or so ago, someone had a poll, like, which Kingdom Hearts games Ultima weapon is the hardest to get? Mm. I chose Kingdom Hearts 3, just because there's a lot of baloney in that game <laughs> but most people said kingdom hearts one and i can't disagree but yeah i thought it was interesting and i guess it's because i mean yeah when it comes down to it the synthesis is more involved and particularly you have all the uber heartless with final mix so what, what yeah. do you think was there a distinction between one and one fm or just one in general yeah just one in general so i would assume mm. everyone would just default to final mix since that's how most people are playing these days i think based on my knowledge so this is me also i've got ultimate weapon in one and one fm now i've gotten it in two and 
I don't think I actually got in three. But all oh. does exist in, in all the other games as well. I will, yep. I will say that much. But out of, I guess, one, two, and three, this may change. We're literally going to revisit the entire series. So for now, I think my initial <laughs> one, I will say one is the most annoying. Um, okay. In the original, it's not too bad, but I think there are other abilities and other skills that we get in later games that make farming for materials much easier. Oh, yeah. But one, just in terms of resources, has the least amount of resources to get you where you want to be going. And so, and at, at 100%, that translates going into our final mix version of having to go through all the special Heartless, because we have to go through literally all of the synthesis materials, well, all of the items we can synthesis, I should say, yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know, I guess I'm just used to it. I've gotten Ultimate Weapon a few times across both one and final mix. So, I don't know. And I, I, I like the synthesis in Kingdom Hearts 1, so to me it doesn't really register as being hard. I guess it's because it's much more focused in 1, where 1 is pretty much just all synthesis. But then in 2, like with the Orokakum Pluses, like those all kind of tie into um, extra activities. Like it's mostly like stuff for 100% completion, but like... You kind of got to go out of your way a bit to like get certain ingredients. It's not as simple as go kill all these heartless. Yeah. And then, then three is much worse in that regard. Where like you have to do all these annoying mini games, and it's like okay, I just want to get my damn oh, keyblade. Oh yes. So yeah, I looked at the requirements for three, and okay. <laughs> so yeah, I don't think it's too bad, but I guess most people don't agree. But um, what do we think about that? Their design is this worthy of the title Ultima Weapon? 100% in my opinion. Yeah. It's shiny. <laughs> it's pretty. It's it's long. It's big, thick keyblade. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm, I'm looking through all, all of the, the various ultimate weapon designs we're going to get throughout the series. And when I, when I think of ultimate weapon, I think of KH1's ultimate weapon. Oh, for sure. Like, to me, every other... I mean, it's it's deliberately designed this way, but every other ultimate weapon is just derivative of the original. So, like, they don't really stand out to me. Maybe Kingdom Hearts 3s, but, um... And Kingdom Hearts 2, just because I'm so familiar with that one. But, yeah, yeah, 1 is definitely the standout, like... It's the gold standard, literally. <laughs> I think so, yeah. <laughs> and also, fun little Easter egg, I guess you could say, is the actual blade of ultimate weapon is is sort of reminiscent of the Dream Sword, so that's a nice little nice little reference. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's just, mm, it's an elegant keyblade for a more, uh, I don't know, Civilized I forget. Era. Yeah, I was, I was doing a thing. <laughs> so yeah, it's nice, uh, obviously super powerful, it's the strongest keyblade in the game, it does give you that plus two MP as well, so that's good. It's very flashy, basically with every hit you create these like... <laughs> miniature suns <laughs> so that's awesome so yep very satisfying and also the keychain is interesting so it's just a heart but then like it's like a k but then like the diagonal line of the k i guess you could say it like forms into a heart so it's kind of like a cute little way of saying kingdom hearts so I'm not sure if that's exactly what they're going for, but I noticed that this go through, and I was like, "Hmm, interesting." I feel like yeah, it's it's, it's supposed to lend itself inly into that motif. Yeah, be good. Um, I think it's worth it. I mean, my original ten year old brain was like blown away when I saw this thing for the first time. So, 
Very satisfying. But, um, yeah, speaking of dream weapons, uh, so Merlin has a few tricks left in store. If you go to him after getting getting all of your magic maxed out, so getting all the gospels, uh, you'll get the dream staff for Donald. Yes. Which is, a, you know, again, a fun little reference like, oh, it's the thing from the beginning. Oh, you brought it back. <laughs> yep. For Goof Troop, um, if you get all the spell arts from the white mushrooms, you will get the dream shield. So those two always stood out to me because it's just like a, Cool little nod, like, oh, yeah, I remember those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I will say I did forget about the tree weapons until we'd already gotten into, I guess, the end game. Like, yep. Where we are kind of right now, basically. I I did not end up getting Dream Shield, at least, because mm-hmm. I couldn't get Arrow Arts. Most mm-hmm. of them were the spawns for the White Mushrooms, where they want Arrow. Um... I was about to say, Great Crevasse is one of them. The area right behind Final Rest is probably the best place. Yep, and that's where I got Final it. Final Mix, we got uh, we got some of those Neo Shadows that like to pop up. So mm-hmm. I think after, after before I even went to go Ultimate Weapon, I said, hey, I think I need Arrow Arts to get all the arts. Let me, I, I tried to, I, I tried my best to get the Mushrooms to spawn, but I think after an hour, I was like, I have to, I have to go on. <laughs> my heart will Just go on. the little the little white mushroom doing like the cure animation where it's on the ground reaching out it's just like go on without me save yourself <laughs> that's me <laughs> yeah i had to save my own freaking sanity so i unfortunately okay. did not get dream shield but i did get dream rod okay so yeah stats wise they're not too mind-blowing so i don't really use them um but i just like that it's a nice callback, but um, your other in-game staves and shields, that's such a weird word, staves. <laughs> the Fantasista, Wanta, Fanta, don't you want to, Wanta, Wanta, Fantasista, uh, which you'll get from Synthesis and then the Seven Elements. So Fantasista gives you, gives Donald the three MP, which is mm, good stuff. Mm-hmm. And then Seven Elements is weird, because, you know, it's in that echelon of, like, the ultimate weapons, but it just gives Goofy, like, two extra MP, which is just kind of underwhelming. <laughs> so, I don't know what the point of that one is, but it's it's made up of all the, the spell icons, so I guess that's cool. Yeah, it's just literally the seven spells that we've learned throughout the game, which is, I think, is always nice. I'm trying to bring up the shield right now, because it's the weirdest looking shield, in my opinion. Yeah, it's just like literally seven obtuse looking circles just glued to each other. Yeah, it's just like a bunch of pogs like taped together. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it is nice though because yeah, yeah, it's a uh, Donald's Fantasia will give you three MP, but it's like it's got the baseline. I actually no Donald's strength baseline is one because that's what Mage Staff is. So this at least gives him a little bit of oof, but in the magic mm-hmm. and then. Seven elements is four strength, and then plus three to MP. So, I think it depends on what you want Goofy to do. So, I, f- I always feel like save the save the king and save the queen are of course the pinnacle. But I can also see exactly. reason for wanting to use Fantasia and wanting to have to use seven elements as well, which it's, yeah. it says something when you when you consider this alongside the what's supposed to be the actual end game weapon. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so yeah. Let's talk some stats. So, very early on in the podcast, I think it was on the Traverse Town episode, 
I called out, like, well, why would you ever set Donald, like, give him a strength-based staff? Because he's a mage. That makes no sense. You want to boost the stat that he's actually good at. Uh, well, I'm here to eat crow, because it turns out Donald is just a straight-up beast. <laughs> so I have a handy-dandy notepad here with every party member's stats at 100. So I have the base stats, meaning, like, no equipment or their default weapon. And then I have the uh, advantageous stats, where I pumped all the equipment to buff that stat in particular. Mm-hmm. Keeping in mind, I did not have all of the best item for each stat, so these numbers could go even higher. But it'll still give you a frame of mind for how they compare between party members. So first of all, for our trio, for HP, Sora's base HP is 87, and I was able to get him up to 111 with the right equipment. Donald is a flimsy little duck. His HP was only 54, so I didn't even bother trying to get it up because it's useless. (laughs) And then Goofy is 78, and then he was able to get up to 104, which is, yeah, not great because Sora has three equipment slots, Donald has two, but then Goofy has four. So I feel like Goofy should be taking the lead there, but not quite. Interesting, because I always feel like Goofy's HP is bigger than mine. Another word, Endgame, I don't yeah. think so. His, like, long-ass <laughs> HP bar, just, like, you know, it lives in my head rent-free. It's always Yeah, there. I think it's just, like, the scaling, because Sora's HUD is bigger. Like, the HP doesn't stand out as much for some reason, but for Goofy's, mm-hmm. it's more noticeable when it's bigger, so... Yeah, I feel that. Okay. So, for strength, <laughs> Sora, keeping in mind, I chose Staff. Uh, Sora's base strength at 100 was 57. I was able to get him up to 75. Uh, Donald's was 64, and I was able to get him up to 83 strength. (laughs) Goofy's base is 61. I was able to get him up to 88. So technically, Goofy is stronger, but he does have two more equipment slots. So they're basically even, although Donald's is higher without any equipment. Yeah. I'm pretty sure strength has a cap anyway. So, like, uh, when I was doing some grinding, like, at level 70... Like a 70 strength versus like the max strength. Like I didn't notice a difference. Like I still had a, it would still took the same amount of hits to take out each heartless. So I'm pretty sure after a certain point, it just caps. Yeah. They're basically giving, doing the same damage output regardless. So yeah, that was interesting. And then defense, uh, Sora was 55 base and then 68 with, uh, equipment. Donald was 63 defense, which is like, Yo-ho-ho! what? He was 63. And then Goofy was 61. <laughs> so Donald, Donald has more defense sleeper. and strength than Goofy. What? <laughs> that duck! It just blew my mind. I For some reason, I don't have the number for Donald's uh, equipment-based defense, but Goofy's, his base is 61 and then 77 with uh, pro equipment. Mm-hmm. And then MP, uh, Sora, again, I was staff, so he had 10 base MP, and then you can get him up to 19. Donald is 10 base MP as well. You can get him up to 17, and then Goofy's just a measly five. Yeah, crazy. That's so sad. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, why isn't Donald the Keyblade wielder? (laughs) Donald is uh, the true boy. Mm -hmm. But wait, there's more. So I also took a look at all the world allies and their stats are also just insane. Oh, yes. (laughs) So Tarzan's HP is 84. You can get it up to 93. His strength is 
80. You can get it up to 84. He has only one equipment slot. Monsty. Mm-hmm. His defense is 76, and you can get it up to 81. His MP is only 6. Uh, Aladdin is even stronger. He has 81 strength, which you can get up to 99. Or, sorry, sorry, that was his HP. Um, but he is slightly stronger than Tarzan. He can get his strength up to 86, and he can get his defense up to 87. So he has the highest defense of anyone so far, which wouldn't really guess for Aladdin. But Ariel, mm, okay. my girl... My my mermaid darling. Uh, so her HP is pretty flimsy. She has 60 base HP, but her strength, <laughs> base 75, and you can get it up to 85. So she's bumping elbows with Tarzan and Aladdin, which is very surprising. Nice. <laughs> and she's got solid defense as well. She's got 77 base, and she can get it up to 90, which is the highest of anyone. Ooh. Actually, no, she... She can get. She has the highest defense of all of anyone. <laughs> wow! I, no, I wonder how intentional or unintentional. That yeah. Is. So she has the most equipment slots of any of your member of your allies. So that definitely plays into it. She has three. So yeah, yeah. You, you can really pump up her stats. But yeah, that's crazy. And then her MP, she has the most of any party member but donald she has 10 base and you can get that up to 16 so ariel is just putting in work like i said (laughs) (laughs) on to jackie boy he's got 72 hp you can get up to 90 uh his strength 84 base you can get it up to 91 he he's the second strongest party member (laughs) for being a magic boy that's a surprising amount of attack yep just a big old lengthy skeleton and Literally has no muscle, but somehow he's a physical attacker. This skeleton's been pumping iron. Mm-hmm. His defense is 75. You can get it up to 84. And yeah, his magic is 9. You can get it up to 13. So not as much as Ariel, but definitely more than anyone else besides Donald. Uh, Peter Pan, his aren't too great. His HP is 66. Strength is 82. You can get it up to 89. His defense is 77. You can get it up to 86. And then MP can get up to 12, so he doesn't really soar in any particular stat, but still good all around. And then finally, Beast, our poor boy, was done dirty because he only has one equipment slot, but um, his stats are just really good anyways. So his HP is 90, you can get it up to 99. Strength is 88, you can get it up to 92, so he is the strongest party member. Um, Just one more than Jack. And his defense is 80, which you can get up to 85. So Okay. Well, well, well. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really interesting. Okay. Yeah, like, I've never taken a look, like, a closer look at all the stats, and I definitely was not expecting most of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's kind of crazy when you think about it. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think even more about why these stat spreads are what they are, and is it tentative? I shouldn't say tentative. How are these stats determines do we do they look at the world and say this character needs to be this thing Hmm. or this character needs to stand out this department Mm -hmm. so kind of curious what the thought process and development could be behind that if to be fair they could also just say "Mm, make number go big here and call it a day yeah definitely you get the sense that they definitely the stats scale as you get further into the game so yeah just in general the world allies Stats are much better, probably because they are just temporary party members, so it's kind of like they're a bonus. Yeah. yeah, I'll be curious to see if Kingdom Hearts 2 keeps up that trend. That'll be interesting now that we get to that yeah. 
So, yeah, with all that out of the way, let us proceed through the door. So, interesting to note, when you interact with this door, there's a quick little text scene, and the the, the mysterious voice warns you, like, this is your final resting zone, but blah, 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 mm-hmm. light in your heart. Don't worry, kid. I, I, wrote, I wrote all this down. Because... Mm-hmm. <laughs> You talk to the door. You get you get these uh, you get the text bubbles and the text that pops up on screen. The second time you interact with it, it'll actually open up. So, yep. I made a point to not talk to the door, like, and then save. I would always save oh, and for then sure. talk to the door just so I can see the text prompt every single time. Oh, because yeah. I think growing up or just like past playthroughs, I would talk to the door, get it out of the way, and then go back. And I'm like, you know what? I'm pretty sure that text is kind of important. So as I go back and analyze this game much more than I need to, let me just let me just have that text pop up yeah. in case I ever need to view it. And uh, spoiler alert: I played the game right before we. Well, I beat the final boss again right before we started our recording, and I was like, "Wait a minute! Wait a minute!" And I, I wrote everything down the door said, mm. and I may have done some uh, some digging. Hmm. Uh. So what was most interesting to me is. Uh, after the door's little spiel, Sora says, Strange, that voice was so familiar. So, we touched on it all the way back in our Waking episode. Like, who is this voice? Is it even a voice? Is it just Sora's conscious slash destiny speaking to him? So, Sora's able to recognize it as a voice. So that lends some credence to there's more to this voice than just, you know, the disembodied narrator. Well, what were what were you able to find? So, like you were saying, this ties back to our dive to the heart, which is all, all I guess, audio free. It's dialogue free. We get dialogue, but none of it's voice. So mm-hmm. there, you don't. There's no voice tied to this voice. But I, I had the exact same thought process as you. So I was like, I've heard this voice before. So, I mean, in canon or like in character or in the in the world, I would say. There must be an audible voice that Sora hears. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you just just see giant text in the sky, and he's like, "The heart is <laughs> the like he's doing an eye exam." The, <laughs> if you played the earlier, I shouldn't say earlier. You should play if you played the later games. But also, some of them take place before KH1. <laughs> there are other occupants of Sora's heart. So when I think about it for more than two seconds, mm-hmm. and, and we kind of cut the narrator shtick out of it. It yeah, could be his conscious, his hmm. conscience, but it also could be another voice inside of his heart. Yeah, yeah, I think that theory makes more sense with future events. Mm-hmm. But yeah, again, just Kingdom Hearts being that weird odd man out where yeah, the whole narrator thing doesn't really continue moving forward. So yeah, it's just one of those mysteries lost to time. I well, I always knew that the door had callback dialogue, but I didn't know how deep... I didn't know how deep cut this was, which is why I wrote it down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the the door... So I, I should say that... This all happens in Dive to the Heart, but as you go up to the final stand to face Darkseid, you get the prompt, the closer you get to the light, the greater shadow becomes. Mm-hmm. And the door says to you when you interact with the first time, there is no light to protect you. I mean, mm. we know that this is, our, this is literally called Final Rest... Mm-hmm. And that this is the last point. But the voice even says, you know, you're about to jump into pure darkness, essentially. So yep. you better be, boy, you better be prepared. Yeah. So, yeah, without further ado, let's let's head on in. 
So, we open the door, and what's that? Ah, uh, we're back to where it all began. It's the Destiny Islands. Uh, but things aren't quite what they seem, so... The bridge will disappear when you look at it, and there's no water in the waterfall, so it's like an uncanny Destiny Islands. <laughs> and before we, you know, move forward, uh, do you recall, slash did you ever try, there's this really cool glitch on the Destiny Islands where if you, you gotta jump on top of like the shack, and if you jump in like this very particular spot, Sora will jump into the air, but then he'll like stay in the air. <laughs> and then if you keep jumping, he just keeps like short hopping basically and just keeps ascending like levels. Like uh -oh. he'll he'll stand each time. So like there's like solid ground underneath you, but you are standing in the air. And basically you just you just keep jumping out of bounds. <laughs> <laughs> and if you eventually you'll get to the point where you're so high up the camera will just automatically look below you which is interesting and yeah the oh. Destiny Islands will turn to a little speck and you're like oh and then you can walk around when you're super high up and then you'll start falling down by just kind of you know exploring the geometry but if you do it right you can trigger the cutscene <laughs> with Sora on the opposite side of the um secret tunnel because <laughs> you can clip into like behind the actual wall oh <laughs> interesting mm -hmm. interesting i have never done that oh so yeah when i was younger i would always do that anytime i was doing the final boss rush i i feel like they may have patched it with the re the remasters just because i haven't been able to reproduce it but okay fun little fun little trick to pull off but yeah, let's let's go on in and trigger that cutscene. So we get a little call back to old Potato Sack McGee. Uh, this world has in fact been connected and now it's destroyed. So the Destiny Islands aren't looking too hot. Hello. Now it's mysteriously floating in the air over a sea of darkness. And Meanie Face Riku is just standing at the edge waiting. So let's go talk to him. <laughs> How much of this cutscene can you recite from heart? <laughs> boy, oh boy. The answer is way too many. <laughs> I feel like out of all the games, this this maybe KH2 rivals it, but I think this is like the final boss I've completed the most amount of times. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, just and but also we've we've right now, like in this playthrough alone, I've done I've played it four times, so like Oh um, damn. <laughs> Yeah, initial, a second, a third, and, and just now to try to get something to proc. Okay, nice. So, yeah, basically, Handsome has this whole tribunal of why darkness is so much better than light. Darkness, darkness, darkness. All hearts return to darkness. All hearts begin in darkness. All hearts shall end in darkness. And that sweet, sweet, silky Billy Zane voice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, basically the clashing of ideals between Sora and Ansem. Eventually Sora's fed up and he speaks up and says, You're a liar. The heart may be weak. And sometimes it true. may even give in. <laughs> but I've learned that deep down there's a light that never goes out. Just a nice moment of Sora's character has kind of come full circle, or now he's he's seen the lights, literally, and now he's, you know, willing to kind of stand up to Ansem, because he's not about that whole darkness life. So, solid cutscene. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> flashback to Neverland, 
You're stupid! Uh-huh. Pretty much. <laughs> he knows. Sora understands the plot of Kingdom Hearts better than anyone ever will. It's crazy. Scientists are still trying to figure out how it happened. <laughs> but Ansem don't like the sound of that, so it's time for the gloves to come off. Uh, metaphorically, anyways. Uh, he rises up, he calls his daddy, and the fight's on, baby. <laughs> so, because my partner stats were so high, uh, I thought it'd be an interesting experiment to basically play Luigi Wins by doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> So I set both Donald and Goofy to max strength, and I customized them to focus on physical attacks and Donald just to do defensive magic, and I literally did nothing. Well, I jumped and then sicked them on Ansem just so that they would be more aggressive, but then I just stood still, and I let them take care of it. (laughs) And yeah, they got them down to one HP in like two minutes. (laughs) (laughs) 60% 60% of the time, and it works every time. Yeah, that was wild. Like, I didn't even approach critical health once. Because <laughs> Goofy <laughs> was coming in clutch, blocking all of the uh, the spinny discs, basically. Mm-hmm. His little strike raids. Yeah, and I found that his submit attack, it's almost easier to dodge it by doing nothing. Because <laughs> he literally was right in front of me, and he, like, swiped, and it didn't connect. <laughs> So, not sure what was so going on there. Pos- <laughs> it's the possession move, right? Where the guard yeah. swings at you, and if it makes contact... Okay, yeah. Yep. Um, its hitbox is definitely wonky. Yeah. So, obviously, I really right before we did a recording, and there are a few times I'm like, I should have been hit by that, right? Mm-hmm. But game says, no, apparently I, go- I too good. I dodge. Yeah. <laughs> I was definitely like, that's kind of... Yeah. But... Yeah, if you're playing normally, that's definitely the move to look out for because um, it basically takes away your attack command. Um, so if you're a little too Keyblade happy, your attack command will switch to... I forget the name of the command. Is it submit? Freeze! Freeze, okay, yeah. So you'll yeah. accidentally freeze. Uh, Guardian will hold you up like a little puppet, and then Ansem will get you with his force field attack. So, watch out for that. But other than that, I mean, maybe it's because, you know, as you said, I probably play this fight, like, over 30 times. <laughs> like, it never gives me any problems anymore. You can deflect his, like, strike raids back pretty easily, and that'll kind of stagger him. So you can get in some hits there. Yeah. And then, yeah, he's he's pretty slow, honestly. Like, his attacks don't come out super fast. And even when they do, he, like, goes for, like, a low hit. So if you're, you know, jumping and doing aerial attacks, like, you probably won't get hit. This is pretty much a warm-up match, <laughs> just because you do have Donald and Goofy. Definitely, yeah. So I was about to mention, I think this, this plays a little what you were saying. Ansem, he, he likes to be on the ground. He likes to feel the sand between his boots. Sometimes he likes to float, but a lot of his attacks... And also, you're fighting on a slope, so yeah. a lot of times, that just the, the way you, you interact with terrain and how you interact with this floating, this floating malevolent character... Sometimes you just accidentally dodge every move. Yeah, for and sure. It's like, and I'm just like, I didn't. I, it means, I think it's the epitome. Of I, I meant to do nothing. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, sometimes it, it just works. Uh, I, uh, I will actually say uh, this last time I just played it, Donald got hit with possession, actually, which I don't think I've ever seen a party member get hit with the possession attack. Oh, really? Because it did 
Yeah, so I didn't even realize they connected because I dodged rolled out of the way and I kept hitting Ansem. And then he did barrier spread, which is the come, open your heart. And I was like, <laughs> wait a minute, I'm did I get did I get hit with possession? I just not realized that? Oh, I'm an idiot. And then I was like, wait a minute. I'm not getting the freeze command. I don't see the purple glowing energy around me that the Guardian is. And look yeah. at Donald as Donald's being as Don, <laughs> Donald's being restrained. And I was like, ah <laughs> Yeah. I usually see like usually my party members will get hit. But then yeah, it kind of feels like you're like glitching the game when you can attack Ansem when he like pulls up his shield move, because yeah, you're used to like not being able to kind of fight that. And also like he won't target you, like he goes after whoever quote unquote submitted. Yep. So yeah, it's just it's kinda of like this weird moment of like, oh like the game's not operating how it should. <laughs> yeah. Come, open your heart. So yeah. That's round one. Uh pretty straightforward. Pretty simple. He's got come guardian, which depending on who he's targeting, you can just most of the time you can just go around him. Sometimes he will kind of be like, Oh, nope, Sora, I see. Don't touch me. Oh, yeah. No. But just dodge roll like, behind it, him and then get some hitty hits off. Yeah. So, yeah, after that fight, he retreats to the darkness, and you get a brief little respite to top off your health if you want. I mean, might as well. There's no saving exactly. after this, so use all your items you want. Exactly, yeah. I, uh, I, I forgot to say that before we started, that this is, this is, this is how old school this game is. Like, you know, it's the, it's the thought process of there is no true completion because mm-hmm. it just sort of kicks you back to your last save when you boot the game back up again. So Yeah, and it's it's kind of frustrating because he gives you so much experience after each phase, but you're like, well, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> exactly. I was like, I hope, hope you don't like those levels because you're, <laughs> you're going to lose them real quick. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure the very final fight, as in after this, the game's over, he gives you 20,000 experience. <laughs> it's like, okay, cool. Um... <laughs> Yeah, when I was playing just now, I got MP Rage. I'm like, oh, good to know I get MP Rage in three levels. Uh, Yeehaw! <laughs> yeah. So, after that, uh, Don Goofy hit the bench, and we get Dark Side Round 3, baby. Which is just like Dark Side Round 2, baby. Which is just like Dark Side Round 1. <laughs> yeah, I guess he gets one more attack. Yeah, he gets... The falling orbies, as I call it, but like you know, he'll he'll he always start the match like this. Now he uh he needs to he needs to really pay attention to what the ground is saying. So he sticks his head in the ground. He's like, "Oh, what, what are you talking about <laughs> down there?" But yeah, he'll just stick his head to the ground, which is the perfect time to guess what? Attack the head. Oh, for sure. Uh, and then he'll he'll get some dark energy. This is like literally a like a thirty second to a minute long attack. So yeah. have fun, whack at the head. Um, and then after he completes it, there'll be, uh, I was about, I'm trying to think of something that is similar to this, but I don't think there really is. But the, essentially orbs will rain from the sky. So there's no true strategy. It's just if you see one about to fall on you, try to move out of the way. But yeah, this fight can be over so quickly that the orbies sometimes just don't even matter. Oh yeah, he's a piece of cake. Like I was able to take him out in like a minute. I like, yeah. I, I had to fight him twice because I did die on Ansem 2 because I was being a little reckless and then the first time i was attacking dark side normally but then i slapped on eroga and then the fight was like cut in half basically so yeah he's just a punk at this point <laughs> mm-hmm. so after that ansem has recouped he's licked his wounds and he's ready for a one-on-one and this is it right here so i guess this is the hardest part 
of the whole final boss rush for me anyway and by me i mean past me because now it's not really a problem but when i was younger definitely this was the part that would always give me the most trouble yeah i would think i feel like the world of chaos v1 and v2 mainly v2 can also be kind of a, a challenge but i guess in terms of I, I would say grounded fights that i think this is this is this is on par with world of chaos hmm. uh, by itself but yeah it's one of those ones where it'll it, if you don't know what's happening it's gonna it's gonna get you real good yeah so he doesn't have too many new moves so like his sort of standout is um i guess his equivalent of sonic blade uh take this uh which is scary yeah, if you don't want to just called rush yeah but like you can block it super easily you can deflect it super easily i think arogo will just outright cancel it <laughs> um I don't think so. I could be wrong. But I remember doing Garoga mm. and still being hit, so... Okay. Maybe not? Yeah. But I think the move that hits the most is Submit. Uh, he can still do that, but now it comes out much faster and he doesn't... He doesn't have an audio cue, or at least it's not as fast. So, mm -hmm. yeah, like that can kind of hit you uh, as a surprise. So you want to kind of keep your distance... I mean, I went pure aggro on him. That's usually what I do. <laughs> I mean, yeah. The rush move is so easily deflected, and then after that, he's kind of staggered, and he can get in. And then he's got his desperation move, but it's literally as easy as just run left. <laughs> <laughs> he does have a... Uh, name is escaping me. It's, race, it's called Racing Shockwave. He just fires, like, two bolts in front of you that you would just dodge roll. Yeah, that probably they hits me a... the most, to be honest, just because... Yeah, it has a surprisingly high hitbox. Yeah. Like, you're like, it, it, once you see the move, it's very much like, oh, I can jump that, and the game's like, oh, you think you can, huh? Mm -hmm. So, uh, he's got to dodge out of the way. But yeah, his, he, it's, it's his, well, I guess, uh, it's the same, it's the same name as Riku's ultimate move from the last Riku fight, so it's just his version of, uh, Darkness Aura, Aura of Darkness. And yeah, exactly. It's probably a hundred percent easier to mm -hmm. dodge like so as you were saying like you just run like my strategy every time is to lock on ansel and just start to do it run like run clock i wouldn't even say clockwise but run in a circle around him basically and just yep. by keeping momentum you'll just stay ahead of the shockwaves because the guardian yeah, he, will come he up literally can't hit you like, yep which is funny because the the effect of the attack definitely makes contact with sora like yeah it's deceptive so the hitbox, the hurtbox isn't actually there anymore, but, like, the animation is there, so it's funny to see, like, like, every shockwave technically goes out past me when I'm running away from it, but it doesn't hurt me whatsoever, so. Yeah. That's always been kind of funky. And then he always, he ends in, like, a, a cross move, like, in all the cardinal directions, he'll just send out a shockwave. Yep. And just dodge roll at the end, like, because it'll be obviously his front, his back, his, and his sides. So by the time you're just... Running, running around and dodging the initial shockwaves, he's like, alright, take this. And just like, a dodge roll to get yourself not in front of him, and you're easy peasy, love and squeezy. Yeah, just kind of run away from him, and then the shockwaves will take longer to get to you, and then you can kind of see where they're going, and then you can dodge much easier. So yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> it's just funny to me, like, how easy this fight is now, because I remember when I was a kid, like, I dreaded this section, <laughs> just because I died to it so many times. Just kind of err on the side of caution, but he's not too scary. So, eventually, you will prevail, and then you will move on to the deepest, 
depthiest darkness. In case you forgot that this was a Japanese RPG, (laughs) say hello to the final, final, final boss. Yeah, I have always hated (laughs) just how egregiously, gratuitously, namorally this whole design is. It's just so extra. (laughs) I don't like it. And this isn't the last time we'll see something like this. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't like it then either. So yeah, World of Chaos, inexplicably, Anthem just summons this giant, heartless dreadnought, basically. (laughs) Big shit. I like the design of the Guardian, like the torso part. Mm -hmm. You know, that's cool enough. It's just everything beneath it that's like, what is going on here? (laughs) Same. The Guardian's the one redeeming feature. Yeah. (laughs) Like, if they just made him, like, a giant kaiju, or, like, you know, you'd still keep the whole, like, oh, he's, like, kind of attached. You know, maybe something like, um, Chernabog, where he's, like, kind of attached to, like, a mountain or something, where, like, he's stationary. But, yeah, just less is more. (laughs) So, what we do have is what I describe as, like, a fusion of Kirby enemies and... Halloween outlet stores where you just get all these weird kooky, spooky monster faces just sporadically sprinkled throughout the whole design. (laughs) And it's like, what, what is this doing here? (laughs) Like, Ooh, it's a spooky skeleton. (laughs) He must be evil. (laughs) Uh, It's not great. And then there's like the weird, like phallic creatures. They have to fight at one point. And it's like, what's going on? The artillery. Yeah. It's just, it's too much. It's too much. <laughs> There's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Don and Goofy are back, but then they're not. Sorry. And then Sora, whoa. He falls and he's about to give up, but then Rico calls to him from the great beyond. And Sora finds the light within him to sprinkle on his fairy dust and ascend. And I always love the next shots where he wields the keyblade because you see it specifically from like a head-on angle where it's like the blade on its side so like seeing all the different key blades like in that pose is really interesting to me like especially ultima weapon because it's kind of got Mm. that middle layer so you can kind of see that like it's just an interesting perspective that you don't always get with the keyblade so exactly yeah so yeah uh world of chaos v1 also for some reason ansem gets like three times bigger (laughs) not sure what's going on there make my monster grow but also i would like to grow as well yeah, I mean, I appreciate, you know, you felt the need to get rid of those pesky clothes. <laughs> but, yeah, this is another flying fight. This one's always annoying to me just because he throws out his hitboxes and they last so long. So it's very hard to, like, actually get in and get your hits off because, you know, he'll start his, his twirly twirly, like, four hit combo and then... In just like a few seconds, he'll pop off another one. And you're like, okay, can when is it my turn? It's very hard because he does called Ansem Dance, which is kind of like Sephiroth's Wild Dance. But he'll just... And he, I do like his... I do at least uh, like... I, I would say I like Ansem and the World of Chaos being the Guardian section of the ship. Because he's kind of... It's like... He's tied to the Guardian. Now he's literally hooked up he's, to He's jacked Guardian. into the Matrix. He literally is, yeah. And he wields kind of this uh, this staff version of Riku's soul. Yeah, yeah that's a cool, cool touch. Cool. But he does his dance move like... Like, it's kind of his, it's like his main attack, so there's just this five to six second period of, I don't want to hit Ansem because I'm going to get hurt. I'm just not going to hit him, and it's one of those things that just (laughs) makes it, like, yeah, just one of the things, it's going to make the fight longer. 
Yeah. You have to be like, oh, I don't want to get hurt. So, I mean, yep. it's understandable, but when it happens 10, 20, 30 times, it yeah. gets to kind of be egregious. Yeah, so definitely pop on an Aroga just so you can get that extra damage off. Because, mm. yeah, the other attack during this phase is the various lasers, and they, they kind of have different variations where it'll be like one after another, or just like a few sporadic ones. Mm-hmm. They'll just kind of hone in on you, so like even if Ansem is in between attacks, the lasers will be gunning for you, so it's very hard to like actually find an opportune moment to actually deal your attacks out. So again, I just tank it pretty much, <laughs> just because I'm too impatient. <laughs> yeah, I, I think at the level we're at, you can just throw in Roga or just not even and just call it a day because yep. you're that powerful. Oh, for sure. But if you're doing this probably around the 50s and the 60s levels... Yeah, it's, uh, what fight we were talking We were talking about Phantom last week, obviously, in our Super Boss run. Yep. And for certain Phantom fights, and in general when it comes to swimming and when it comes to flying fights, I think the Z-axis, your verticality, is where you, you shine. So, for Dark Laser, you just want momentum. So, yep. you never you never want to be parallel, you never want to be parallel with Ansem. You never want to be, like, facing him, I feel like it. Yeah. You, never, you just never want to lose momentum. So, if, like, say I I just kind of, like, press down, I just kind of, like, book it away from him. The, the laser's like, oh, you're not moving on, you know, another axis. I'm just gonna sh- shoot you. No matter how far away you are, you're just gonna get sniped. So, yep. I tend to just do kind of a circle, all, uh, and, and, you know, you have to add your, your elevation. So, you know, fly up, fly down. Exactly. Just so you have momentum, and the lasers are by the time the laser wants to shoot for you, you're not in that location. Yeah. Or you're not on in that space whatsoever. You're either above it, below it, to the side of it. Anyway, you're you're tricking the thing. You're staying alive. Ah, uh-uh, staying alive. Exactly. Important. Yeah. So eventually you'll tough it out and you'll beat him. And then he decides, Owie, I got a boo-boo. And then he goes into his little comatose state. <laughs> he's, he's a very passive antagonist. Let's see. what What's next? Is it the Shadow Room that's next? Or is there... Yes. Okay. It's room one. Yep. Yep. So you'll do the Shadow Room. And if you went through the Haze Cup, this is no difference. So take out the shadows. Pick up any spare HP orbs while you're at it. I always like these rooms because they're so dark. And then, like, whenever you beat whatever it is, like the Power Cell, um, I always like to run oh, away... Core. Yeah, I, like, run away from it and, like, into the camera. Cool guys don't look at explosions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Sora's, like, piercing blue eyes, like, really stand out in this sort of dark area. So I just always like that little touch. Make sure you leave with full health. <laughs> That's all I ask, is leave with full health. Yeah. So, yeah, now it's time for the dick lasers. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, these guys are pretty easy. The main thing is just angling your attacks right, because much like the first Ansem fights, they're they're like perched on a slope. So it can be very easy to just kind of whack the actual incline instead yeah, of attacking them. Yeah, you can make contact them. with the environment. So, yeah, it's yeah, pretty so you annoying. you gotta be careful, especially when we're using Ultra Weapon, which is a long reach right now. Yep. I didn't have any problem... When I did this initially with Divine Rose, because Divine Rose is the stumpy girl. But, yep. uh, yeah, you gotta be careful, because, especially just now, I I think I bounced off the environment more than I actually hit the uh, yeah. the artillery. <laughs> so I think I hit a few, and then I resorted to magic for the rest, just because mm-hmm. I had magic. <laughs> yeah. So they'll they'll spit out little lasers, but again, Aroga, just tank through it. And then every now and then, Big Old Guardian will, much like uh, Chernabog will do his wind sweeping attack where he just pushes you away yeah he's got the same blow off 
attack yeah. Chernobog has. And it's almost always followed up with some lasers, so like Marshall was describing earlier, just kind of float to the side to avoid them. So many lazies. Yeah. And then just fly on back and then keep on whacking. Ah, uh, phrasing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after that, uh, you'll get another room that opens up, and then you'll enter it, and it's time for the Dark Balls to get their revenge. So again, Hades Cup should have prepared you for this. Just take them out. Thunder's your friend here. If you have any sort of magic yeah. investment. Also, they're Dark Balls, so they only drop NP. So yeah. in our first room, in, the, in our the first room, there's nothing but HP prizes. So you better leave with full HP or else. In Dark Ball room, you better leave with full magic or else. They also drop good items. So the Shadows dropped Mega Potions, and then these guys dropped Mega yeah, uh, Ethers. Yes, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, so the game does a good job of kind of helping you out if you do happen to be running low. Exactly, yeah. I I ran Treasure Magnet at least one rank for this fight. Most boss fights, I take off all of the unnecessary ones, and I was like, wait, I have some extra ones, and I was like, wait a minute, I think Treasure Magnet's going to work really well. Uh, and it is, for rooms like this, and yeah. when we fight the World of Chaos itself in its version 1 and version 2 forms, he spawns these little dudes that are just like a teardrop head and arms and wings. And yeah. But they drop large HP prizes. So, mm-hmm. you know, we've, we've been to Neverland, we've been to Atlantica. Uh, trying to pick up things by walking into them is a pain in the ass in those worlds, so. For sure. Uh, a, a rank of treasure magnet goes a long way, which is yeah. crazy because in every other boss fight, it's probably the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you will be reunited with Goofy in this room, so... He should be helping you with your your MP. So take out those dark balls, no problem. Have your awesome escape flying away from the explosion. Uh, And then you attack the Guardian's second head. (laughs) It's its face! You guys are dirty. Uh, It's another really stupid part of this design. Like, particularly, like, the cutscene kind of introducing it. Like, there's this part where, like, at the very end of the scene, it just kind of, like, grimaces. And I always... We'll just narrate out loud, just like a little... Rawr. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a mean, big, scary face. <laughs> it's basically a mini Ursula. A mini giant Ursula. <laughs> yeah. Also the fact that he just spams thunders. Yeah, pretty annoying. So, much like Ursula, there's not much you can do about it. So you can weave in and out in between your combos. But again, I find that's not too effective. So I just... To tank it. Yeah. If you see the big, if when you see it trying going, when it makes a big scary face. Yes. And if you're not max, if you're not very high leveled, you do want to run away because Lily, there's there's a single thunder strike, there's a group thunder, and then there's very similar to Ursula's and Chernobog's like rain down thunder. Yeah. So when you see the when you see the face make when you see the face Lily making a face, you might you can you can back off if you're doing this just like kind of after a natural playthrough yep because the like the omni thunder as i call it does kind of go everywhere like those other moves so be careful but yeah oh they're also if you do ever get low i always remember this and also because they're annoying there are small artillery right below the head so Mm -hmm. you shouldn't really get hit with stray lazy beams from the artillery yeah or you just you just want magic or mp you can go down there and whack a few of them. And also, it's a landing spot, so if you want to hide from the head for whatever reason, you can also do that. So, 
Yeah. It's options, at least. That's what I appreciate. It's not just, there's the head, have fun. Right. Once you beat the head, it'll completely explode in eight, and it'll leave a big gaping hole for you to enter. And the boys are back in town, baby. It's your boy, Donald. And he's got a, a posse of invisibles. <laughs> so, this is the one and only time I use Trinity Limit in this entire playthrough. <laughs> <laughs> And even then, it's still left two invisibles behind, so. <laughs> Goes to show how useful that attack is. Well, they do, they do have their, uh, wait, did it, uh, did it hit them and not kill them? Or did, were they? In, they were in their, their invincibility state? phase, but, like, uh, okay, I popped it off yeah. as early as I could, but, like, they still managed to fall through the cracks, so. Yeah, I mean, when you, when you give the enemy ten seconds to actually do something, <laughs> sometimes they will think. Yeah. So, yeah. A lot of invisibles, but now that you have your full party, much more manageable. Donald will heal you and whatnot, uh, but just take them out. <laughs> Don't be scared. And then, yeah, you're 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 closing in. You're on third base in the final stretch. So after you escape with dog and duck and toe, um, and also you know probably topping off your HP and MP because the invisibles drop a lot of nice items. Um, yep. You come face to face with the core, which is probably the worst part in terms of design for me, just because it's a big, dumb, gelatinous, sad, spooky face, and it just looks completely ridiculous. And then it's got all these wow. like stupid skulls around it that like are like super edgy looking, and it's just it makes no sense. None of this makes any sense. Why is this here? Like it looks like it should have been like the boss in Monstro, because it's like all weird and fleshy and just eh. <laughs> Yeah, it just kind of it just kind of exists. So, I mean, there are like it, because we mentioned small artillery. There's also small artillery in this room. Yep. Uh, one thing I did realize playing through it again is that Donald and Goofy will not automatically attack the core. Yeah, I noticed I'm that. They're bashing its face in, and they're just like floating. I'm like, my dudes. They're they're like, just the, standing by, beside you eating chips. Like you you got this. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, you do, really, but yeah. a little help never hurts. So. Yeah, you can speed this up. Yeah, just make sure to press triangle to command them to attack, and then they'll, yep. they'll start attacking. So yeah, You can land in this area, but like, just stay floating and just bash the horse face in, and you'll be fine. Yeah, it's just it's a, it's a defense defenseless blob. It can't do anything against you. You might get some stray lasers, but just keep whacking it. Uh, I guess it's like main sort of feature is it's got high defense because you do do a lot less damage so it's got that it's kind of like a shuckle <laughs> but yeah just just whack it and you'll beat it and then ansem decides that his his power nap is over and he's back to play wakey wakey Eggs and Baker. <laughs> Pretty similar to the first floating Ansem fights with a few shiny additions. Mm. Most notably the, I don't know, supernova attack, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> he does have uh, Great Darkness, which I don't think I've ever actually seen the move. Yep. Because, so to be fair, he do he creates like this giant black hole, but it's... It's, like, at the top of the room, basically. So you'll notice, obviously, because he just gathers a bunch of energy. And, then, you know, at, at, at some point, you and the party, you and the boys start to drift backwards. So yeah, wait, wait a minute. That's your cue to stop. What's happening? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> stop attacking him and just fly. And just fly, like, at towards him and down. So if it catches you and it explodes, it will do a good amount of damage. So please be careful. But 
I never like I've never had the audacity to unlock an ansem and turn around and be like, yep. "What is Ooh, this shiny. thing behind me? I wonder." Yeah, it's like the ending of uh, Indiana Jones: Raiders of the Lost Ark, where it's like, "Don't look at it. <laughs> Shield <laughs> exactly. your eyes." <laughs> I think I've seen it a couple times, just turning the camera around and flying away. And yeah, it's it's apocalyptic. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that attack is scary. But just yeah, just keep swimming, basically. Exactly. I don't think I don't think the lasers even go off during that. I could be wrong, but I don't think lasers go off. During yeah, that no. It's... And he does do MP absorption as well. The mm. the guardian's mouth will glow, and it doesn't damage you, which is fine. But you'll notice that your MP ticks go down oh is that when it gets like the little one. bubbles on its shoulders mm-hmm. they're on the hands and the shoulders uh, i think and then okay. there's one in the mouth yeah gotcha it's, uh, i mean if, if you're not paying attention you won't really notice the effect of it when, but then you go to use cure and you don't have any magic up you're like oh no yeah so, huh it's it's over time and it'll drain six total magic off of you yep but uh if, it, if you're a true magic boy then six mp is really nothing to you Psst. But uh, yeah. if you're running low or, you know, if you, basically don't try to proc unless you need to cure. Don't try to heal your MP during this phase because you'll just end up wasting your MP. Just keep suck, suck, sucking on it. Yeah. Exactly. Let it happen. Lasers get really, really aggressive this time around. I've always noticed. Like, oh, for yeah, sure. Like, bing, you, f- bing, you feel bing, emboldened because you got your posse back and you're like, all right, guys, let's do this. The one nice thing about Great Darkness is the windup is like 20 seconds. So lots of free hits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, there's plenty of time. Just whack, whack, whack. Yeah. So, yeah, you'll beat them. You get your Woo! complimentary 20,000 EXP. And congratulations, you you are, a winner is you, you have beaten Kingdom Hearts, go eat a peanut butter jelly sandwich. Uh, But not before watching (laughs) the ending plus credits, so (laughs) we have a whole cavalcade of juicy story bits ahead of us, but first, yeah, let's, let's close off this Ansem goon. So he basically pulls a Hail Mary and he... Puts all of his eggs in the darkness basket. He's he's just so certain that Kingdom Hearts is in fact darkness, and this will give me the ultimate power that I need to destroy you. But mm-hmm. he's wrong, because we know now, without a doubt, Kingdom Hearts is in Kingdom fact light. Is light. Yeah, and then mm, we get that that one little musical sting oh. that only ever shows up here but it's just like this very like angelic choir with like the bells going and it's like very yeah mm, very victorious and then he's like all <laughs> but why and then he like explodes into like a miniature earth <laughs> as you do <laughs> yeah and then that's game over i'm sure we'll never see him again <laughs> never ever forever ever for never schlubber but it turns out, is this really even Kingdom Hearts? Mm. So yeah, interesting to note, uh, this is the first time we've heard Kingdom Hearts spoken, so we did see it written um, at the end of the world, but yeah, yes. he calls it out when you first get into like the deepest darkness, when he says, look before you, it's Kingdom Hearts, and then he says it again just now, uh, Kingdom Hearts, fill me with power of darkness, but um... Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll get into it, but don't 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 be so sure that this is actually Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's basically 
so it's the big old door to darkness and then just this weird little pillar of land and then these like weird spires that always look like sharks to me (laughs) (laughs) i can see that i can see that yeah Yeah. (laughs) and then um if you look behind it it's hard to notice but like ever since i got the hd versions i could tell there's like a a silhouette of a heart behind it um so just to hit the point home but yeah we get uh we have our final task ahead of us. We've got to close that there big old door. And from yeah. here on out, it's just, it's just iconic moment after iconic moment, baby. It's hopeless! I can't. Come on, Sora. Together, we can do it. We'll do it together. <laughs> <laughs> so it did stick out to me this time just how unfazed Sora is. He's just like, okay. <laughs> when he sees Riku. <laughs> mm. You think he'd be like, Riku, but... I saw you. You disappeared. Or just something. Very much like when he saw him in Traverse Town. How unimpressed he was. Yeah, like, Riku, (laughs) is it really you? Mm -hmm. Well, I guess, like, I don't know. I feel like Ansem on the Beach could... I feel like it adds and takes away to this moment. Because, like, I guess we didn't talk about it. But obviously, you've played the game, guys. You know. (laughs) And he kind of mutters... He does mutter, like, about how, like, it was kind of easy to control Riku. Like, he's just, like, a simple soul Mm -hmm. that wanted off the island. Which is funny, considering what we learned about Ansem later in the series. Mm. But, um... Yeah, he's so much like, Riku is weak. I am strong. I manipulated him from the start, basically. And... I don't know. And it just it just kind of just culminate into sort of Riku being like, "I'm here, guys." Hey. Yeah. Like I feel like I, I guess because we did just kind of see Riku, like how much of an effect would it have? But I think based that con- whole conversation is also like, and the reason we're going to the end of the world is like, oh crap, we got to finish the quest. Yeah. But also, exactly. kind of got to find Riku too. Like back to what we were doing when the game first started. We got to mm-hmm. find. I know we're. I, I found Riku, and then I lost Riku, and then I found Riku, and then I lost Riku, and then I found Kari, and now we have Kari. Have you shit my Riku? Riku <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Riku has is lending a hand, but um, it's still not not quite enough. These doors weigh a ton. It's hopeless. The Heartless are populating just behind it. We're, we're boned, man. We see two dark sides, because, you know, they've always given us a problem. <laughs> But then, wait, what's this? The dark sides, they just exploded. What's happening? Donald and Goofy's eyes light up as they can sense the presence of their, their master. <laughs> the king! <laughs> Did someone call for a Keyblade Master? Nope. Surprise, surprise. Mickey's here, baby, and he's shirtless. <laughs> This is his, uh, it, yeah, it is the OG Mickey. Mm. So it's just, he got, he's not, he's not Kingdom Hearts, he's not Final Fantasy fight enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like we see literally after every appearance after this one. But uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it is kind of a trip having gone through the entire series and then seeing this again of just regular ass Mickey with Kingdom Key D being yep. like, so now Sora, let's close this door for good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's got that there Kingdom Key D, and yeah, like I said, just like moment after moment, so we defeat Ansem, we find the big old door, Riku's back, and look at that, we finally found the mother effing king. Like, how much more closure <laughs> do you do you get? 
That's it. We've done it. Interesting little note. Um, one of the stipulations for original Kingdom Hearts is basically Nomura could only use Mickey in one scene. And naturally, this is the scene oh. he chose. Yeah. So that that's kind of why he like appears I mean, in the shadows and he's not like really present. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like if that to stip- this, I mean, if that is the stipulation, then this is the scene. Yeah. This is, why would you have, why would you have Mickey show up at all? Like you could do kind of like a fallen hero moment and Mickey could be there to push you in the right direction again. But mm-hmm. like that, I mean, that's another interesting route to take. But like, if you have, if you have one shot and you just got to take it, then I, this is, this is the time. Like, yep. Just there's slam no, dunk. <laughs> yeah. There's no real reason to, well, I'm trying to think if my other suggestion, if we have Mickey show up earlier in the game, we don't get the closure that we get yeah. right now at the end. It would be so really like, anticlimactic. That's so weird. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around that. And Yeah, like considering just... how present Mickey is in the rest of the series, it's like, why were they yeah. so stingy for the first game? Exactly. Probably because money. <laughs> I, uh, I'm probably... It's also funny because... Uh, as a kid, I'm, I'm I'm not sure if this is the game at the time, the resolution, or just my TV, but I could barely see Mickey when I played this oh, as a kid. Oh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> playing it now on a PS4 and, like, a good TV, like, you can see, you see, it's obviously his character model, but dulled, obviously, so you can't make out every single detail. Yeah, I wonder but, what like, Mickey looks like. <laughs> exactly, like, back in the day, it was just like, I always just assumed, and it, it was probably on my screen, just to just mickey's silhouette like there was no yeah there were no facial features and I, and it kind of it does play to that because mickey his silhouette is cast like right in front of this big light so yep i mean the man knows how to make an entrance exactly yeah but, but, but well here's the also weird thing is mickey is technically facing away from you or no he's facing he has to maintain his weird double-eared silhouette at all times yep <laughs> but He's never looking directly at you or directly into the light. Yeah, it's like this weird three quarters pose. <laughs> but he still has his iconic two ears. Yep. So in reality, <laughs> his ears would be parallel to you and you would barely see them. Yep. But apparently they're constructed, because he's only in the game for this one scene, they're constructed enough to where it just, you know, it it appears as, you know, as Mickey's do. Yeah, as we discussed with Minnie's model, like they're literally just... <sighs> 2D images. <laughs> yeah. So with Mickey's help, we find the strength to keep pressing on and close the door finally. And just as Riku's about to seal it away, he gives Sora the parting advice to take care of her. Sora gives him a very meaningful nod. I wonder who she is. Uh, Sora and Mickey do their thing. Basically, Sora ultimately doing like what he was meant to do in the game and sealing the door to darkness. And it's very bittersweet because in sealing the door to darkness, he's also sealing away his friend. So he's basically giving up his wants for the good of the world. So it's a very noble sacrifice and it's hard. Mm-hmm. But he understands. He knows. He'll knows and will see his friends one day. Mm-hmm. And once again, we get a very stirring background track. It's very, very heroic and victorious, but also kind of somber and sad. Uh, especially because it then transitions to... It's a version of Kyrie's theme, but it's more melancholy. It's almost like a music boss, music box sort of uh, tune. But, and final mix, it then immediately cuts to 
a Sora Riku montage, which I personally don't like. I feel like it breaks up the pacing of the scene. And it's also weird because it is Kairi's theme, but then it's all Riku. So it's just like, it kind of feels like the train's already left that station. Like if you wanted us to feel bad for Riku, maybe you should have sprinkled this in a little earlier in the game. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... That is such a reflection of the series to come. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very, very funny. Is this in the original? I know. Nope. It's, it, there's no audio, obviously, because none of the kids, none of the kid flashbacks have any, like, voiced audio. Yeah, this is a Final Mix exclusive. Okay, yeah. I just had the, I had the inkling of, like, is this? Nope. And, yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate just any sort of Sora Riku, you know, building scenes, but, like, it's just breaks up the pacing because it also makes that song go on longer so yeah <laughs> and also it's it's just kind of redundant like okay they're playing on the beach like i get it not to my cup of tea but I, what, what is my cup of tea is the the cg movie that's to follow so so before we get into the ending cutscene, uh i do have to question uh what is Kyrie doing here and it looks like she's also wondering what she's doing there <laughs> yup so i mean so we had the talk at the end of Hall of Bastion, of hey, when you when you complete your mission, the worlds will go back to being sealed off. Yep. Just so you know. And so Sora's like, yeah, I accept my fate. Yada yada yada. And I, I now that I think about it for more than two seconds, actually, we did just you know we walked through the door, we went through the disheveled Destiny Islands. Yep. And now the items are reforming, but how the hell did Kyrie get here? Uh, a tale as old as time. A question as old as time. So I imagine as soon as the door to darkness was sealed, Traverse Town basically poofed. <laughs> or uh... I guess it took a nap, as we'll learn. <laughs> but yeah, Traverse Town was no longer needed, so it just kind of faded away. And anyone who was in Traverse Town were kind of returned to their own worlds through light that magic. Back to their respective worlds. Yeah, like slingshotted back. <laughs> And yeah, because Kyrie is from Destiny Islands, and Destiny Islands was being reformed right there. And also because Sora's there, and they've got the whole Princess of Light connection, so she was kind of... Well, even behind beyond that, she and Sora have another connection that kind of guides her toward him, which we'll find out about a little later. But yeah, it's kind of like Sora was like a magnet for her, I guess, so... <laughs> eh, we won't question it too much, because it makes for a very poing- poignant... Poignant? Uh, a very yeah. very feel good scene. So we fade out and fade into that sweet sweet 2002 CG. <laughs> yeah, basically, Sora makes a promise that he will in fact come back to her, and Kyrie reaffirms his words. I know you will. And then hit it, Utada. When you walk when you away, walk away <laughs> you don't hear me say. Oh. And then, yeah, I mean, f- feel free to let the tear ducks ride, everyone. It's just so good. Because one, again, you got the emotions of losing Riku and now Kairi. But also at the same time, you literally see the the, la- the fruit of your labor in a very visual way of this just like aura of like all the worlds being restored where Kairi's kind of... They're, like, being pulled apart because the worlds are reforming. But then Sora's in, like, this weird yeah. nebulous ether because, I don't know, Keyblade Master stuff. <laughs> it's very, um, I haven't played it, but, like, the ending of Final Fantasy X 
I know is kind of similar and like, you know, it's the the romantic oh. couple and like it's very like shiny and bright and beautiful and it's like kind of tragic. So it's just a very nice, nice bittersweet moment. Oh, uh, yeah. I was thinking of the end of 10. Oh, I guess Kyrie and Yuna kind of share. They share a similar color scheme, actually. So that's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Sora and Titus, I don't think so whatsoever. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Yeah. But that lines up. So, yeah, Sora's, you see him sort of reaching for Kyrie, but at the same time, he's kind of, I guess you could say he's like in awe of, you know, the spectacle of the world reforming. You get that beautiful shot of all the shooting stars returning to the place as the the twinkles in the sky are restored, and it, it syncs up with the music, like, perfectly, and then you get that shot of Kyrie, like, from behind, looking onward to... You know, Sora disappearing, but then there's all the meteors flying, and mm, it's just the visual direction is just completely on point here. And Utada's vocals are just banging away at it, and yeah, it's just a lot of emotions, and I don't know quite what to do with them. But yeah, meanwhile, Kyrie is wandering to the secret place, and what's this? A poorly drawn palpu fruit. <laughs> <laughs> And then mm, we just get that that single tear. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then zoom out, flash to the Paupu being drawn in return, and then cut to credits, and I am shattered. It's just so good. So my question for you is, where does this rank in uh, greatest video game endings? Hmm. Uh, It's always good. And I think the continuation of the series doesn't diminish this ending. Which yeah, is very, very exactly. Nice. Yeah, I was thinking of it in relation to like all the other endings. I mean, pretty much every Kingdom Hearts game has a really good ending in one way or another. But this one, mm-hmm. like I mentioned earlier, this one does the best job of kind of showing like, here's what you've accomplished. Like, here's what you changed by winning this fight. Like, you literally saved the day. So on that front, it's just super satisfying just because... Yeah, like you were saying, like, this was imagined as a one-off, so, like, it kind of works as, like, this would be a really positive note to end on. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking of, like, movies, it's mainly movies today, which most of them, it'll be, like, the first entry in, like, maybe a series that's, maybe not even a series, just, like, an original idea, mm-hmm. but it end, it always ends with a cliffhanger. Not just say always, but there's always, like, here are the threads that they can go, and I feel like there's way too exactly. many threads that they can yeah. in front of you. Whereas we got a single thread that, I mean, I guess there are other questions that and other threads we could kind of grasp at. Yep. But there are very few in the original Kingdom Hearts ending. Yeah, and for sure. I was, yeah, I was just saying. I think the other entries and other endings in the series don't diminish it. This one still feels mm-hmm. very strong, even knowing the series is going to continue for seven, eight games past this. And probably, you know, we're going to get more, obviously. But, like, uh, the continuation doesn't diminish the, like, the especially the impact and the meaning behind this. So yep, exactly. It's, I mean, it's a banger every time. Yeah, like, when I was a kid, my idea of a good Saturday night end was literally just playing through this ending. <laughs> like, to me, that that was all I needed to, like, be happy. Yeah. <laughs> um... So yeah, after the scene, <laughs> but wait, there's more. We get the end credits, which again, I also, I always love the Kingdom Hearts credits. I I think it's safe to say it's my favorite mm-hmm. sort of interpretation of video game credits. Because usually with video game credits, you're just like, all right, can you just end now? Like, 
I don't care. <laughs> like, you want to skip it, but you don't want to skip it because you don't want to skip any sort of scene that comes after it. So you just power through it like, uh, okay. <laughs> Ex- yep. But with Kingdom Hearts, the credits are a treat in themselves because, again, you do have the theme song playing, but and it's, um, it's, um, I don't know. It's original version. Somebody. <laughs> but also, I just love all the screen caps of, you know, your journey up until that point. It's just a nice way to reflect on all your travels. And Yeah, I think my favorite part is always... They always show little snippets of where, where are like they are literally like little, where are they now yeah. vignettes. <laughs> Genie always, opened a used nice. car lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. But in Kingdom Hearts One, it's a little shoddy. So they only have five scenes, which are all you know good enough. But there's the Disney Castle scene, which is just the Duck Boys returning. Which yeah, okay, that's fine. Then we got. The Hollow Bastion crew reuniting with Cloud, which, hmm, that's some pretty good fan service. I'll take that. Yeah, well, so now that I think about it, where do, where do, are they still in Hollow Bastion? Yep, they're in the library. Okay, I was just, I in my head I could see it, but I couldn't entirely see it, so, and we're, we're just talking about people getting slingshot back to their original world. Yeah, so like, that scene in particular, um, I had to appreciate, because it's the only time we see Aerith and Cloud on screen the whole game. But just in, like, that two-second shot, <laughs> I feel like it does a great job of just showing what their relationship is, because Cloud's all brooding and unsure, but then Aerith just kind of leans in and gives him, like, a little, you know, perked-up dog head tilt <laughs> look. <laughs> and she's like, oh, mm-hmm. how are you doing, big boy? Very, <laughs> very cute. I feel like that captures their relationship very well. Definitely. After that, we get Pinocchio turning into a real boy, so that's obviously a nice ah. note to end on for that chapter. Um, and then, <laughs> just completely random, we get... I mean, it's not super random, but we get Jasmine and Aladdin reuniting and getting in some, some smoochy action. But then we just cut to this just generic scene of all the princesses doing like little curtsies, and like they don't even have a background. It's just weird to me how the only Disney World they felt the need to revisit was Agrabah. Because it always feels like there's uh, more. Yeah. But then, yeah, it's just the princesses and then they're they're done with like the little montages. And you're like, oh, okay. Mm. <laughs> yeah, because I know that around the time they start to show the English voice actors. Not exactly. Yep. But that's around the time that the, at least for KH1, that's when the, the little vignettes go away. Yeah, but, exactly. So Jasmine goes back to Agrabah. We still see Alice, like, do her little... I guess she's not native yeah. to Wonderland. She's actually from England, but, like, right. still. Yeah, like, <laughs> uh, you. I, at first I was thinking, oh, maybe they'll show... They're just showing the princesses, and then because ja- uh, Jasmine's from Agrabah, they showed her in Agrabah, but then, yeah, Alice is just stuck with the rest of them, and it's like, okay, cool. <laughs> you live with us now, dear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, eh, I won't harp on it too much. So, yeah, that's... That's... <laughs> that's it for the credits. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts, where even the credits warrants a ten-minute discussion. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Shout out to the orchestrated score that plays during the credits, uh, March Caprice. That always gets me feeling a certain type of way. <laughs> but wait, there's... There's more. Wait, there's, there's even more to the there's more. So... <laughs> At first, we get our usual post-credit scene in a 
inconspicuous grassy field with our gang. And those boys are still at it. <laughs> hey, the job's not done yet. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, as you were mentioning, this is just a nice way of kind of showing, like, if the story were to continue, I have this nice little plot thread for you. Just, you know, if you're interested. <laughs> so, they're walking down the, the winding road and... Donald's like, well, now what do we do? And then Sora reaffirms that, well, we gotta find Riku and King Mickey, and damn it, the boy has many things, but going back on his word is not one of them, because that <laughs> is his entire thesis statement for Kingdom Hearts 2. But, um, yeah, they're just kind of strolling along. For some reason, Donald and Goofy are in their casual outfits. I never understand why. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's nice at least, but, like, how? Yeah. And why? I guess for story reason, it's just I guess it's communicating like the job is done, so they can go back into their civilian clothes, if you will. Yeah. But yeah, it's like did they just yeah. have just... these in their back pocket or like in the trunk of the gummy and they, ship? They're like, oh, the job's done. We can take off our work clothes yeah. now. <laughs> but but even still, like when they're in Disney Castle. They have like John's yeah, magician, it's weird. Goofy's the captain of the knights, so like the. <laughs> so yeah, they're walking along, and then what's this? A wild Pluto sighting. Also, how did Pluto get here? Yeah, so that's Pluto is the greatest mystery of Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> Dem- look, look, and this, this holds true to Kingdom Hearts too. Here's your hint, hint, gang. Uh, Pluto is just secretly a dimension hopping dog. Tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, like we haven't seen him until Traverse Town. Or the last time we saw him was Traverse Town. And then here he is just in this purgatory, basically. Like, we don't even really know yeah. what this field is. If you, if you want the official answer, it's one of the realms between. Mm. But we don't know that. Yeah. It's just supposed to be inconspicuous grass field. Mm-hmm. But anyways, Pluto's here with an invitation to smash for Sora. Yep. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, nah, I'm just kidding. It's it's a letter from the king. And that is the second greatest mystery of Kingdom Hearts, because we never find out what's in that letter. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is... Well, nope. Every other letter we figure out, but this is the one. It's, this, uh, it's the only king's letter that's unaccounted for. <laughs> yeah. This this is what's inside the, uh, the black box. <laughs> It's King Mickey's second letter. Mm-hmm. But in any case, it's basically a little MacGuffin to motivate the team to chase after Pluto. So we get a fun little montage of the gang. Smiles? Smiles? They're having a grand old time. And yeah, that's that's basically it for this chapter. The camera pans up. We see a, a great winding road ahead of them. There'll be many trials and tribulations along the way, but... With the three of them together, they'll make it through anything. Yep, we get a final voice narration from that mysterious person who just reminds Sora that you are the one who will open the door to light. Whatever that is. The door knows. The door knows everything. So, yeah, if you're a weenie, that that's that's it. That's where the game ends. But if you're a Chad, you'll get one <laughs> last surprise. So, I was on Proud. So all I had to do was seal all the keyholes, basically. But you, you, you had a more uphill battle on your your normie play. And by that, I mean, you mean it was probably just do everything. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, te- technically. So to unlock the secret ending, if you're playing the original game, it's just beat the Hades Cup. 
find all the pups and seal every keyhole, you're good. And if you played on, well, back then, it was expert difficulty, you just had to seal every keyhole. We're playing Final Mix, so it's actually easier in Final Mix. You have to just seal every keyhole, hmm. which, no, 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 beat the Hercules Cup and you can seal the keyhole. Yeah, yeah, so just yeah. do the keyholes, do the puppers, you're good. For you, you just have to complete the game. Mm-hmm. And what we are treated to is Kingdom Hearts going full anime. <laughs> Some could say it's another side. Uh, Some could say it's another story. Yeah. So we get this awesome epic cutscene of these angsty, angsty, mysterious figures in black cloaks fighting off waves of Neo Shadow Heartless. And it's in this weird, like, modern city. And just, just imagine seeing that with no other context of Kingdom Hearts besides the first game and wondering, what the <laughs> hell did I just watch? <laughs> I, just, I just want you to put your mind in that little time capsule of like, yep. what is this series again? <laughs> I remember, I don't know, for some reason I remember not getting the another side, another story on the PS2 version, even though I definitely did all these achievements. So there's two secret endings. So in the original North American release, yes. you get another side, another story, which is a much more abridged version of this, but it does show a few different scenes. Um, and then in Final Mix, it's Deep Dive, where it, it explains a little bit more. But, um... Yes. Yeah, like, because the internet wasn't super common, then, like, it wasn't obvious that there was a secret ending. So, yeah, like, it would be a surprise, if anything. Like, after mm-hmm. going back, after, you know, just doing the requirements naturally. So, like, oh, wow, there's, like, a whole other movie here. Oh, uh, yeah, so... Uh, let's go through... Well, it's easy, because another side of the story is, is basically the abridged version. <laughs> it's so much shorter. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen it. <gasps> How dare you? I mean, so, comp- so yeah, compared to Deep... The only difference between Deep Dive and... Deep Dive is, like, the true ending. It adds all of the... I wouldn't say unnecessary, but if you compare the two, it feels, you know, it just feels much more bigger. So Deep Dive is just all the awesome fight choreography. <laughs> Basically, yeah, there are parts of the original that are kind of spliced into, I mean, we're about to go into Deep Dive, but the countdown of Deep Dive, but the, the all of Deep Dive is basically going to the Dark City. We see a figure wearing a black cloak. Oh boy, there's someone with two keyblades. Mm-hmm. Wonder who that could be. And it's mostly contained to the Dark City, basically. There's a few, like, iconic moments, uh... I think there's uh, the Kili Widow mouths. Oh, where, uh, where's Sora? Yep. As well as we'll go together. Yeah, like I, I can't even comment on the quotes too much because after a certain point they just whiz by. <laughs> but yeah, I do remember those two specifically. But then yeah, in another side, another story, they do have more that you don't see. And the one I remember from that per- in particular is something along the lines of "Your, you are the source of all heartless," which. Was very thought-provoking back in the day. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just a bunch of uh, vo- vague quotes to kind of get your mind racing. <laughs> and it's surprising because yeah. a lot of them do end up in Kingdom Hearts 2. So he did have that much playing ahead, yes. so that's impressive. Mm-hmm. But then there's some yeah. that don't track, and you're like, oh, well, that was just kind of yeah, on the cutting room floor. There's, there's, there's a lot going on. Yeah. So. A lot of the quotes from from deep, I should specify from deep dive. Well, also, uh, 
very quickly for if you want to unlock deep dive. If you're me, you have to complete Jiminy's journal, which is just play every mini game, literally see every character, see every heartless, make do everything, be a good boy, you'll get it. If you're if you're playing on proud mode, just do the Hades Cup and then silver kill and you're fine. Yeah, so all the words are just like Nomura's like, hmm, here are my thoughts for a new series or you know thoughts for a sequel. So when they implement them in Cage 2, they had to go back and rewatch Deep Dive. And specifically, they had to find, like, Lily, where can I fit these sentences? Where can I fit this into, like, the entire script of the game, essentially? Yeah, it's hard to add much commentary to this um, secret ending just because it is pretty much, you know, shot for shot, the scene from Kingdom Hearts 2. <laughs> so I'll just say... It was very awesome back in the day. Still awesome now. So if you didn't get it, you know, just YouTube it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the one thing that it's in another side, another story. But the one thing that does always stick out to me is you get a shot of presumably an older Kyrie on the beach. And she's looking at a shooting star, basically. Mm-hmm. And we don't ever see that. We see something like it, but it's not quite how it's shown in that trailer. So... That's an interesting little piece of cut content, but yeah, everything else pretty much tracks. So yeah, it was basically Nomura's way of teasing a sequel and kind of like, you know, getting the fans interested. Like, look what I could do if I were to get a sequel and how little did we know that was just the beginning of this mad, mad ride. (sighs) You're, you're not wrong. That's the thing. But yeah, basically we could speculate a lot more, but literally all of this got shoved into Cage 2 because we did get a sequel. Yeah, there's so, not really any I'll, speculation that left, left at this point. <laughs> mm-hmm. A lot of things just get transferred into Cage 2 and a little bit into uh, Chain of Memories, but mostly mm-hmm. uh, Cage 2, yeah. Yeah. So, if you play Cage 2, I mean, if you're someone like us who's revisiting the series, obviously, when you see some of these words, you're like, wait a minute, I've seen that before. Yep. Because, hey, guess what? They pop up later. Exactly. So, yeah, once that's wrapped, we get one final shot, or maybe you don't, (laughs) but yeah, you get your battle record at the end as the final screen, which, yeah, I just love how, like an ogre, Kingdom Hearts endings have layers, so there's always, you know, the pre-ending cutscenes, the CG cutscene, the credits, the vignette credits, the (laughs) post-ending... The secret ending, and then finally the final screen. So, like, there's just always something around the corner to keep you interested. But, um, my battle record for this curious, I defeated 7,807 Heartless. I was defeated 39 times. I deflected 765 attacks. I was hit by an enemy 1,722 times. I used 91 items. My party members were knocked out 272 times, and I cast Cure on friends 16 times. The end. So, fun fact, as I discovered playing through right before our recording, this, I believe, only appears during your first time beating the game, because Mm. I replayed it, and I did not get the post. I definitely got it at the end of this playthrough, but because it's my fourth time beating the final boss, it just didn't display for me. So... If I had to guess, I defeated enough Heartless. I defeated, got defeated a few times. I cast Cure maybe a few times on my <laughs> friends. I used some amount of items, and I probably got hit by enemies a lot. So there's my uh, yeah. official, unofficial battle record. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> next time you get a, a post-ending screen, I'll have to 
make sure to remind myself to take a picture of it. Yeah, do you, do you not take a picture of it every time you see it? No. Hmm, I see. So yeah, that is game, literally. <laughs> it's been a wild ride. But our story is far from over, because uh, we still have more to talk about Kingdom Hearts 1. What? Bonus episodes, baby. So next week, we will be taking a look at the Ansem Reports, and we'll be taking a deep dive into all the hidden nuggets in those. We'll also be, you know, chatting about some other things, just kind of wrap up our thoughts on the matter. So, yeah, thanks so much for listening. We made it. It's been a it's been a heck of a time. What was your um what was your final playtime by the way? My final playtime, I know because obviously it says that when you do your save when you save. Yep. I after all of her endgame shenanigans, I think I made it to about sixty hours. I wanna say what? around thirty, thirty five is where I ended. Like What? Naturally would have finished the game. Yeah. I had thirty five hours. <laughs> I spent a lot of time playing the game. Yikes. I played the game. Huh. Interesting. But you didn't even get to level 100. No, I don't need to get to level 100. I mean, I've definitely I've definitely had 60-hour playthroughs, so it's not, like, shocking. I'm just... It's interesting to me how, theoretically, we were playing tangentially, but yeah, there's a pretty big gap there. But, yeah, that wraps it for this episode. It has been our pleasure running you through all of Kingdom Hearts 1. But, yes, there will be... Many, many more stories to tell. So, this has been Kingdom Hearts by Heart, episode 18. I've been Kevin. I've been Marshall sometimes. Yes, thank you for sealing away the darkness with us. Uh, we will see you next week to the gummy ship and away. 